Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, say praise the Lord, everybody. Oh, y'all better act like y'all know who God is. Praise the Lord, everybody. Yeah, I know I got to do this every time I have the mic. Praise the Lord, everybody. God is a good God, isn't he? God is a good God, isn't he? See, here's real quick. I shouldn't have to bump and prime y'all to worship God because he's just that good. So when I say praise the Lord, you should want to say it back to me. So praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. I sound like we sound like we're in a sanctified church this morning. Thank you, Jesus. So for those of you who do not know who I am, I am Ryan Cartwright. I also go by Rev. The past few weeks, months even, you've either seen me up here leading with, leading with the worship team or you've seen me behind the camera, but today God has given me this opportunity to deliver God's word. And real quick, while thinking about the worship team, worship team, that was incredible. That was incredible. DJ, I'm beyond proud of you, sis. So, I'm not sure if you guys can sense the awkwardness that is on me because the weight of what I've been privileged to talk about today is very heavy. It's not something we should take lightly. The past few weeks we've been digging into a series that has exposed our consumer culture, a series that has exposed the ways we've taken a hold of how we view our faith and our relationship with Jesus and how as consumers our entitlement and our expectation has caused us to create the preferences that we want and how we customize the word so it fits our personal convictions, our own philosophies, regardless of how biblical they are or not. Recently, I was in the store, I was in the mall actually, and I was searching for a pair of sandals. I was searching for a pair of durable, hike-surviving, water-treading sandals. And if you know anything about me, they had to be stylish. <laughs> so like anybody looking for sandals that fit that description, I showed up at Journeys looking for Burks. <laughs> yeah, I was looking for Burks. And I go over to the Burks and I pick them up and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, I am not paying that price. And I put them back. And I turned to Natasha, and I was like, babe, can we go to Play-Dohs? Because I know they have them for like half the price there. So we get to Play-Dohs, right? We get there, I'm searching for these sandals. Two, two, two straps with buckles, no back to them, prefer it be black or brown, and suddenly I find them. I was just as excited. <laughs> I found them for half the price. Half the price. But the catch is they didn't look exactly like Burks. They didn't exactly feel like Burks. Those of you who wear Burks know that like when you buy them and you wear them for a long enough time, like the sole eventually like fits the mold of your foot. But this one, this one had a pre-made mold that was supposed to be universal for everybody. But it just didn't fit my foot. The material was different. It was a completely different sandal. See, guys, I sacrificed a lot to get what looked like the real thing. But it wasn't the real thing. Don't push me, y'all. We're just getting started. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, 
Do you have the real thing? Is it real? Or is it knockoff? Turn with me to Timothy. Second Timothy, rather. Chapter 3. Starting from verse 1. And it says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, and it goes on, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Timothy, avoid such people. Paul was in prison in Rome when he writes this letter to Timothy. In fact, the the language in this letter goes on to show that Paul is pretty certain that this is the last time he's going to be able to reach out to his spiritual son, Timothy. And that should give you a sense of urgency that he sends this letter. Timothy, a young pastor tending to the church in Ephesus, receives these words from his mentor and spiritual father. Now, I wish I had time to truly dissect the letters that Paul wrote up to this moment, but one can, one can understand that he makes reference to this type of issue throughout all of his letters to the churches. This potentially being the last time I'd assume that Paul is worried, but not for himself, because in the same scripture, he talks about how he's fought the good fight, but he's worried about the churches that he has to leave behind. Paul stresses this point for a reason. The people are being deceived. Timothy, Timothy, do you not see what is happening to our people? Timothy, do you not see that they're deserting the true word for some confusion that's perverting the gospel? It's perverting the truth, Timothy. It's lessening the value of the true word of God. Timothy, they're forsaking the true word that I preach, the word that absolutely saved them, and the word that you and I both know for some garbage that makes them feel good. They're being told lies and they're accepting them without hesitation. They're more concerned. Can I bring it a little bit closer to us? They're more concerned with how many likes they can get on Instagram for their date, for their Bible of the day verse. Um, They are more concerned about how fast they can make a dollar. They are more concerned how much money they can make over the mission that God has called them to. They're smiling in each other's faces, Timothy. But Timothy, they have no love in their hearts. They believe that if they exercise their right through faith and grace that the dirt that they do, still do and will do is okay. They believe that they can do what makes them happy, what makes them feel good. They can go where God has called them not to go, hang with the people God has told them not to hang with, and think the things that God has laid on their hearts not to think, Timothy. Timothy, they believe more in what others say, more in what online tests have to say about them, but they refuse to open the true word of God and understand what God has to say about who they are. And Timothy, they believe that if they look the part, if they wear the right thing and say the right phrases, that what's done behind closed doors is not a present reality of their circumstances. Timothy, they're getting a cheap knockoff gospel. So I asked the saints of God this morning, what lies have you been believing? What cheap gospel have you been told about the character of God and your own character? 
Some of you at this point probably feel frustrated, condemned, convicted even. Time and time again, we treat the truth like we treat purchasing a pair of sandals in the mall. And the churches represent the different stores we walk into trying to find the truth that is easiest to purchase, the truth that fits us the easiest with the least amount of interaction and hassle. Some of us even have been given the sandals in a box. They've been passed on to us, but because they don't fit us or because they cost too much, we close the box and we put the truth on the shelf because we feel we don't even deserve to know what the truth is. Some of us have been so deeply and easily deceived that we don't even know what the truth is. This week, I found it very interesting that I posted on Instagram, because that's where everyone looks for stuff, and I posed two questions. I said, what lies have you been being told about the character of God? What lies do you know that don't match up with, with God's word? And like four people responded. And I think that has nothing to do with the time that I posted. I think it was, had all to do with the content that was posted. And then I posed another question. I said, what is the truth? Three people responded. It seems like we are afraid to express the lies that we've been told because we so deeply believe them. I'm going to move on. Jesus tells us that the truth will make us free. Free from what? See, that thing, that thing that's tugging in your spirit, that thing that's making you feel uncomfortable, whatever you tell yourself to make yourself feel better about that, that thing, that's the lie. That's the lie. Whatever you're thinking, whatever you're thinking about, that thing is knockoff gospel. That thing is not the truth. The gospel that tells us to do what makes us happy. When what makes us happy ultimately leads to sin and destruction because we are so naturally inclined to sin. We believe in a gospel that is dictated on how I feel that day. We believe in a gospel that says, "If God, if I do this thing half-heartedly, that just because you're God, you're going to do exactly what you told me to do. But instead, we continue to accept knockoff, fake gospel. See, the reason why we're stuck is because we have no clue what the truth really is. See, we've created and we've customized what the gospel is and we've compromised what the gospel is to make us feel comfortable and appease how we think and believe simply because we have no clue what the gospel is. See, throughout the New Testament, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God is here, but it's not here, and how is that hand? See, Jesus talks about this kingdom concept, if you will, the, the idea that God and man will dwell together and reign over creation as referenced in Genesis. But sin entered the world through deception because Adam and Eve chose a fake gospel over the real thing. See, Satan, Satan didn't use anything crazy to get Eve's attention. He just used her curiosity about this fruit she was forbidden to eat, and he perverted what seemed to be the word of God. It sounded like truth. It sounded like God's word, but Eve was not confident even in her understanding of the word because when she was given the truth, Adam put his own twist on it. Y'all catch that when you get home. But I am glad that we serve a God who has it all figured out. 
I'm glad we have a God who is willing to work things out for our good because from that moment, the plan of salvation was released. So Jesus comes to redeem, to redeem all those things. Jesus comes to reconcile his people back to him, not, not just back to him, but back to each other. Jesus comes bringing the real gospel, and he spreads it to all people. In the book of Mark, Jesus shows up in Galilee. Suddenly, this man shows up on the scene, and he starts using word, language like the kingdom of God is near, repent, and believe good news. Jesus brings good news. He brings the truth, the real gospel. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. See, that word repent, that word repent is an expensive word. That word repent is why the truth costs so much for us. So we'd rather choose something that costs less. Repentance is a harsh word. See, when you encounter the real gospel, it requires you to give up and rid yourself of the lie you believed and completely turn around. Repentance can cost you everything you've worked towards, everything you have. Repentance can cost you the friends who perpetuated your acceptance of fake gospel. Repentance will cost you the lifestyle you thought was best for you because you believed in fake gospel. And our belief is stunted because we've ignored the truth and it's left us bound to the shackles of sin, the shackles that we've painted pretty colors to go with our trendy outfits and our fake smiles. We have been accepting fake gospel. Because we keep believing that what allowed us to be free was the exact thing that held us captive. Knock off gospel. See, repentance requires an internal transformation that leads to a freedom eternal. So Jesus tells us in in John chapter 8 how the truth will make us free. Let's go there. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say that you will become free? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. See, Jesus is having a discussion with the Pharisees. And they're having this debate. This is right after Jesus forgives the woman who was caught in adultery. And he says the phrase that we all use, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Here, Jesus is discussing his identity with the Pharisees. And he begins to testify about himself. And the Pharisees are like, well, you can't testify about who you are. You need someone else to tell us about who you are. And Jesus is like, 
well, yeah, because the father testifies about me. So therefore, like my testimony is true. See, what I want you to catch from this scripture is the fact that Christ points out that we are all slaves to sin. And then he follows and he says, but whom the son sets free is free indeed. He reminds us that the, the slave is not a part of the house, but the son is. And the son is connected to the father. So if the son makes a decision on behalf of the father, that decision remains true. Do you understand what that means for us? Day in and day out, we are bound to sin, bound to the lies that we've been believing about the gospel, bound like Lazarus in the tomb. But Jesus comes with this countercultural gospel that completely flips his world and his city on his head. We, like Lazarus, bound in the tomb, waiting for the truth to free us, waiting to be freed from the bounds of sin and death. But Jesus comes with power of the power of his word and speaks Lazarus's name. He speaks the truth into Lazarus' situation because they believe that Lazarus was dead but Christ said that he had to live the gospel the God who resided with us in the garden can I break the gospel down for you the God who resided with us in the gospel and gospel in the garden rather and stay with us after the fall and stay with us when we continue to make idols after idols believe lies after lies make golden calf after golden calf the God that wandered with us in the wilderness when we were there for way too long he continued to reside with us and when all hope was lost God sent Jesus sends the son sends himself down through creation to dwell with us like it was supposed to be in the beginning and God himself steps out of glory to fulfill the true purpose purpose of the law. Jesus like arrives on the scene and begins to heal, deliver, and set free. And the word we just read says, and whom the son sets free is free indeed. Jesus walked and talked with us. And because Jesus was there, everything that was not like him had to be subject to his name. So, so Jesus then goes to a cross, a cross that we're worthy of carrying the sins of all humanity, past, present, and future dies for the lies that we now believe and live by and is buried in a tomb and stay there long enough to start stinking and through the Holy Spirit raises himself from the dead and now sits on the right hand of God and because he's so loving and gracious he sends us the Holy Spirit to give us access I preached about this a little while ago to give us access to give us the key to the kingdom now because the kingdom of God is at hand you must repent and believe this is the gospel that God has been with us the entire time And where he is, everything not like him has to go. But because we still don't get it, he tells us he is coming back once again to settle the score once and for all. That is the gospel. People have held on to this thing for years. Do you not think it's important? This, this thing here holds so much truth, so much freedom. This book, God's word, God's mind, God's heart holds the real thing, but we've perverted it. I have three things that really stood out to me. 
See, we as a community, we as the body of Christ have perverted many things, but let's talk about these three. We've perverted grace, we've perverted love, and we've perverted community. We've perverted grace because we think that we, because there is grace, we can continue to live reckless lives. Because that's why Jesus died, right? He's just going to forgive us, right? But see, Romans 6 tells us about that, that grace is present to show us that we are no, no longer slaves to sin, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And that's Romans 8, because Christ died, we have grace. And Jesus give, by the blood of Jesus, he gives us power over sin, not to accept sin and death. That is the gospel. We've perverted what it means to love. Christ calls us to love without conditions, yet we continue to love under conditions. If they do these things for me, then I'll love them. In fact, we also love God under conditions. Because God promises to bless us, we get mad when we don't get a blessing that we receive. In fact, when the breath in our body is a blessing alone, yet we are just ungrateful. And we even love ourselves under conditions. If I can get over my depression, then I'm lovable. If I was just a little bit smaller, taller, or prettier, then I can be loved. If I can just shake this anxiety, then I'm worthy of love. God, my struggle is too big, God, for you or anyone else to love me. So while I'm dealing with this, how can anybody love me? Knock off gospel. Because the word says, for God so loved that he gave his only begotten, that we might have life and have it eternal. It was love that sent him to the cross, but we've perverted what it means to love. Community. Community, we've perverted the assembly. We've perverted what it means to gather together as believers. We've perverted what it means to worship. We treat church, we treat church like a country club that's for members only, and people who fit a certain demographic and a certain age group and a certain style are only allowed to be here. Fake gospel. We only want a worship that fits us. We want a sermon that fits us. We want a prayer that fits us. When the body of Christ is like a body with more than one, mem- more than one member that serves more than one purpose. People of God, the body of Christ is more diverse than just you. Time and time again. We bring these lies into the house of God and we continue to hide our struggles, hide the lies that we've been believing like Adam and Eve hid their sin from God in the beginning. We want to cover ourselves and hide from the truth. We disguise our sin. We disguise our unforgiving spirit. We disguise our disobedience. We disguise our ungratefulness. We disguise our lack of self-control and God just like, give it to me. Because just like telling lies, you have to tell another lie to cover that lie. And then you have to tell another lie to cover that lie and the other lie. Then you have to tell another lie to cover that lie and then the other lie and then the other lie. But then if you're anything like me, you forget the lie that you told the first time. And then there's a hole that is exposed. That That's exactly how we live. We start like living these lies, and then we have to live an additional life to cover that lie, and then we have to live an additional life to cover those lies. But God's just like, I want all of that. 
but the gospel makes it so much easier. Do you know how stressful it is to live double lives? Do you know how stressful it is to live a double life? Real quick, to the believer, do you know how stressful it is to walk around like you aren't sinning? Oops. And I oop. Do you know how hard it is, believers, to walk around pretending as if there's nothing going on in our lives? Do you know how hard it is to pretend as if we have it all figured out because I can wear swoopy shirts and tight jeans and I'm sorry. Do you know how hard it is, people of God, to pretend as if our lives are fine? That is a knockoff gospel. So, real quick, real simple, real direct word this morning. As an encourager, this type of word was very difficult for me to give. And the fact that I'm like done, I have freedom. So, I invite you to remember what the truth is. See, I'll break it back down for you and then I'm gonna take my seat. But the gospel is the fact that Christ died and sends us the Holy Spirit. And he sends us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gives us access to the power of heaven today. He gives us access to the kingdom of God. So Jesus talks about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God is at hand because he wants us to understand that when he sends the Holy Spirit, it gives us access to that thing now. But do you want it? Do you want it? Do you want the truth? Do you want to be be told that the life that you've been living for this long was wrong? Do you want the truth? Do you want to be told that the people you've been around your entire life, you don't need to be around them anymore? Do you want to know the truth? Do you want to know the truth? Do you want to know the thing that you keep hiding from the person sitting next to you needs to be given to Jesus? Do you do you want the truth? The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe.